Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So there are two stories that I found that were actually on the WIBC website, of course. My home sweet home, WIBC.com, Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, good to be with you. And as we grow the show and now heard on WGCL in Bloomington and where we're heard uh, across the country on weekends, whether that be WSB in Atlanta, KRMG in Tulsa, WoWo in Fort Wayne, MNC in South Bend, News Talk St. Louis, and, and I'm thrilled that the show is growing. I, 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 Indianapolis is my home station, and, and so I was looking at the website, and I came across two stories. And these two stories don't make any sense to me. I mean, none, zero sense. And the first one was busy week ahead for legislature, R's and D's dealing with culture war social issues. Maybe that should make sense to me. Uh, There's a culture war out there. Of course there's a culture war out there. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the governor of Arkansas, brought it up in uh, her State of the Union rebuttal. We didn't ask for this. The political right didn't ask for culture wars. The political right did not ask for the political left to go after our kids, to engage DEI in concepts of anti-racism, which is racism, to divide children, to teach them to hate themselves and hate others and think that skin color is everything. Now, that's a far cry from something that I hear a lot, and I think it's a, a solid and sound argument. People who say, I don't see color. What are you talking about? I do. Of course I do. I see color. I see height. I see width. I I, I see people as they are. I see what they look like. Of course I see color. If you're Asian, I see that you're Asian. If you're Hispanic, well, sometimes I may not be able to tell. Sometimes I can. If you're black... I see you. I, I I see that you're black. It, it, it's, it's not somehow something where it's like, oh, I, I don't see that. Not seeing it is weird. Treating someone differently because of it is equally weird. Seeing it is normal. Of course I see it. I see all sorts of things. For example, I was at a huge event, cigar event, last night, uh, and and it was went into late hours. Oh, I'm exhausted, but it was fantastic. And uh, big cigar event, a big birthday party for for Blend Bar Cigar, uh, which is in Indianapolis, and a regular haunt uh, for me. It's where I, I do the Eat, Drink, Smoke radio show. Uh, I have a great relationship with them. I have a business relationship and a personal relationship with them, full disclosure. I always like full disclosure. And so I came down for their fifth birthday party in the Woodlands, which is outside of Houston. And hundreds of people there, absolutely spectacular. And some of the women there were dressed like you wouldn't believe. I mean, uh, to the nines, to the hilt, I don't even know the expression. And some of them were wearing very low-cut tops. Now, some people think it's wrong to notice. I don't. I'm a man. And I notice women. I'm not ashamed of it. I don't apologize for it. I notice women because when I saw my wife, I said, yup, that's what I'm interested in. I notice people. I notice them all the time. I'm aware 
I'm alive. I don't apologize for noticing attractive women. I don't apologize for noticing women I find attractive. I don't apologize for any of it. And I always find it stunning when there are people who are saying, you shouldn't be looking at her like that. Looking at her like what? Your perception? Now, there's a difference between somehow staring demonically at somebody and noticing somebody. I notice. I apologize for nothing. I see people who are a different skin color. I see people who are a different nationality. I see people who are white. I see people. The culture war that's at play that's been brought upon our children is that somehow they should feel guilty for who they are or they should feel oppressed for who they are. It is obscene and it is a war worth fighting and I personally plan on winning it because I'm not interested in having my children be told that they're bad people or they're oppressors or they're abusers or they're toxic because of their existence. No, I'd rather fight. I'd rather fight in all the ways that a fight can take place. And if we want to call it a culture war, I'm in. And I plan on winning. So I found the headline odd. I didn't find the story odd. Because, well, this is how it's described. It's described as culture wars. It's, it, 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 what's wrong with it? What is really wrong with it? Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the governor of Arkansas, was right. We didn't ask for this. But it's here. And so it should be fought. It needs to be fought. And you can check the article out at WIBC.com. It's just that headline, dealing with culture war social issues. It's, it's, it's lately been used as a way, oh, you know, that political right with their culture wars. The left's view is we say something, the right complains about it, or the right says that's not right, and the left says, oh, you know how they are with their culture wars. As if somehow that is a way to eliminate the argument of the right so the left can do what they do. That's not rational. As a matter of fact, what about that is a free speech conversation or is engaging in the important subject of debate? You put ideas out into the sphere, right? You put them out into the world and then you debate them and you find that some ideas are super good ideas and some ideas are garbage. They're crap. And then you're, you hear people say, wait a second, that's not a good idea, but what if we did this? And then you're like, ooh, well, wait a second, that's interesting. What if we added this to it? And there's like, ooh, and that's how it's supposed to work. And sometimes the idea isn't perfect and not everybody gets what they want. And that's where the issues of compromise come in, especially when we're talking about politics. But the idea that a culture wars, oh, oh, they're just, they're just objecting because they're bigoted or because they're racist or because they're this, that's what it's become. I don't see it that way. And whenever I see articles like that, or whenever I see headlines like that, I find it to be, and, and maybe it's, it's a bit now at this stage of the game Pavlovian for me, but I, I try very hard not to make it that way. I try very hard to, to think my way through it. It's meant uh, to say, oh, they're just, they're just upset and it's just because of bigotry and this and that. It's, it's not. What they're trying to do to children is awful and it's worth the fight. When Sarah Huckabee Sanders talks about um, your, your, you know, peculiar gods and your flags, and, and she's right. 
She's absolutely right. The dividing line is not between right and left. It's between normal or crazy. That is accurate. That, and I should, be, I should be a little more descriptive. It's not, the story didn't bother me. The story didn't bother me at all. That headline just hit me as I, I think that headlines like that are a problem. And, and for the record, this is not me attacking my, my home station. Right, this article from Donnie Burgess. I consider Donnie uh, to be excellent at his job, uh, absolutely, positively excellent at, at his job. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed by him. I don't know. I, I've told him this before. I only hope he believe me, <laughs> but, but, but I am. But it follows up with a story, or I should say, there is another story. Social media post of student wearing blackface leads to protest at Homestead High School. It's a story out of Fort Wayne where there's a social media post of a student wearing blackface. I have no idea what could happen where a student says, or anybody says, you know what's a good idea? I never understood it when uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau of Canada did it. I never understood it when Ted Danson did it. I have never, ever, ever, ever understood it. I don't get it. I don't know why anybody thinks it's funny, but when it's a student, I'm willing to bet that the student doesn't know what the hell they're doing or saying when this happens. I'm willing to bet all the dollars in my pocket versus all the dollars in your pocket that the student is just stupid because they're a student, because they're a kid. Kids make terrible mistakes. That's what being a kid is often about. That's the opportunity afforded to learn why it's a mistake so you don't make it in the future. I have often discussed the fact that sometimes uh, I I can be driving down a road. This hasn't happened in, in years, but I can be driving down a road and I get to a stop sign and on the stop sign, someone has sprayed a swastika, spray paint, sprayed a swastika. And people will look at that and say, it's just proof of the rise of anti-Semitism. Don't get me wrong. There is a rise in anti-Semitism. But the swastika on the stop sign is most probably a sign of the rise of moronism. I'm willing to bet that the person who drew that has no idea exactly how ugly that is. They think they're being shocking. They don't understand the levels of subtext. They don't understand the levels of history. They don't understand exactly how that gets utilized and what that signals to others. So you use the opportunity to explain to them why it's wrong. And then people more often than not say, hey, thanks for letting me know. I'll never do that again. And now I know and I can share that with others. We've, we've, we've lost this. We take a look at something and then we say, Cancel. That's what cancel culture is, right? We look at something and we say, destroy. The story here is that there was this social media post, student wearing blackface. The post was originally made, as described, over the summer, but for whatever reason went viral this week. And we have seen this happen. Things happen and no one says a word. And all of a sudden somebody reposts it. And the next thing you know, you've got like 40 bajillion views and it it, it becomes a, a big thing. The superintendent of the Southwest Allen Community Schools, Dr. Park Ginder, G-I-N-D-E-R, stating that the school was aware of the post. uh, and, And here's the quote. At that point, I was in contact with administrators at the school who had been investigating all day. 
They were aware of where the post came from, and they were moving forward with their investigation and the work that they need to do. So there then becomes a protest at the high school there in the Southwest Allen Community Schools. The, the, the superintendent, uh, students met with staff, uh, says students with staff to share their thoughts and concerns about the post. And Homestead, the, the, the school was put on lockout for the rest of the day as a precaution. That's how it's described. The student accused of wearing the blackface was not at school on Thursday, and uh, the superintendent did not say anything about a possible punishment because they are a juvenile. I have questions. So one of the questions is, was this student um, doing this in school? If the student was not doing it in school, why is the school making any statement whatsoever? Honestly, why would the the school be making uh, any comment to it at all? The, 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 the school didn't do anything wrong. Did the school do anything wrong? The student did it. Why is the school making a comment? Is the, does the school have to uh, apologize? Here's part of, uh, of the statement. We take great comfort in knowing our student body will not stand by or be a part of intolerance and hate. Not only did they make us aware of the image, sharing it with the staff, many of our students stood in unity in a peaceful protest prior to the start of the school this morning. Recognizing an incident of this nature will affect not only our students, but our entire community. We will be communicating further with you later today. We are with our students now. Um, I, I, I don't understand why it is that the school thinks that their job is to make a statement. Students being quoted a sophomore uh, uh, saying um, that this is just proof of racism is an ongoing problem at the school. Quote, it's just a whole lot of discrimination in that school. Schools are supposed to be a safe place. You come there to learn and stuff. But coming to Homestead, you never know what's going to be said to you. You never know what's going to happen to you in that school. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. This is, to me, proof that we are raising activists and not, well, thoughtful children. I have no problem with people saying, hey, this is wrong. I would have a problem saying, you see, this just proves that the school is racist. No, it doesn't. Did the school say, hey, kid, you know what would be a good idea? Not at all, not in any way. And and no one, no one can answer my question, or at least I don't have an answer to the question. Was this done in school? If this was just some post put on social media, why is the school getting protested? Why is, there's something off here in the reaction making the school aware i don't i don't know if that's necessarily a problem or the 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 wrong thing to do I, hey uh, by the way this happened should the kid get suspended for it of course not the kid should not be suspended for it 
The kid should not have a punishment for it from the school. The kid did something that is obviously, we all agree, dumb. And I would argue that the kid doesn't even know what it is. Again, went for shock value, thought it would be funny. How many times have you done something because you thought you'd get a laugh or you thought it'd be shocking? You don't think that happens today? Take a look at the Grammys. Tell me more about people who do, you know, do things because they want shock value. Sam Smith basically had a satanic ritual going on. And then there's Madonna's face or Madonna's whole career. Madonna's so desperate to be, I guess, famous again. She's drinking out of dog bowls. People do things that are dumb. People do things that are wrong. That happens. And they should be told. But I don't know why the school is like, I I haven't figured out why the school is involved. I haven't figured out why there's a protest at the school. I'm sorry, I feel like I'm missing something in the conversation. Now, maybe, maybe the kids are right. Hey, we saw this. Hey, it was a student at the school. We find this to be wrong, and we want everybody to know we find this to be wrong. Okay. But are we raising thoughtful students, or are we raising activist students? Am I now going to hear that the students shouldn't be allowed back in the school? Is that the answer? The photo was out late last summer. Nothing happened. The photo resurfaced and now it's a thing. So what has that student's life been like between then and now? Normal kid? Normal activities? Normal friends? I, I, I I'm, I'm find myself wondering almost frightened to the idea that maybe, just maybe, we are doing a great disservice with how you handle these things. I have no problem with the student saying, I find that offensive. There's something odd about the protest. There's something, there's something odd about it. And, and, and you can feel it in me, right? I'm kind of wrestling with it. Something is off by the response. I could be wrong, but I share it with you because I want to know what you think. Let me know on Twitter at Tony Katz, Tony at TonyKatz.com. Seriously, I want to know what you think. Oh my gosh, I, w- I went long. I went long. Sorry, sorry there, Mr. Producer. <laughs> I went really long. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. Yeah, I wasn't joking. I really did go long just before I apologize for it because there's there was some more I, I, I wanted to get to uh, but uh, it it happens sometimes I'm on a roll sometimes I'm on a roll and I forget the clock and it's just it's just the way it goes I, I talk for six hours a day and sometimes I'm not done that's just that's just the way it is uh, and, and for anybody who's asking you know uh, are you somehow excusing these kinds of behaviors the answer is no I'm not I'm discussing how we deal with with them, especially when we're talking about kids versus adults. There's a difference in my head, and and I'm happy to explore that uh, more. Find everything, TonyCats.Locals.com, TonyCats.Locals.com. That's where you find everything that's going on. This is Tony Katz Today.
So the biggest story this week was quite clearly the State of the Union. How could it not be the biggest story of the week? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, guys. What is going on uh, in uh, Texas? In Texas and so far, uh, a lovely, lovely place. Uh, the Woodlands, absolutely beautiful. I miss home. That's all there is to it. But I'm glad I came. It's been a wonderful trip. Uh, really uh Created some cool opportunities, met some glorious people. I've smoked some absolutely brilliant cigars. You know, all the things that I like to do. But the State of the Union was the big story. And I'm still thinking about it. I'm still going over it because I'm, I'm, I'm struck by the amount of people on the political left who thought, well, this was so strong. This was Biden at his very best, clearly a, 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 an indicator that he's running for re-election. And, and it's interesting because what I said... Um, uh, after the State of the Union, my take was that Democrats have come to the end of the five stages of grief, and they're now in acceptance. Biden will be the nominee for 2024. And my theory is based on the idea that there is absolutely 0.0 enthusiasm for Vice President Kamala Harris. And I would argue that there might be the equal amount. I was going to say less, but the truth is it's the equal amount of enthusiasm for the Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg. There isn't enthusiasm. There's been this talk about how Democrats don't want Joe Biden to run, how Democrats are looking for, for someone else. There's th th This has been going on for a while, and according to multiple sources, infuriating Joe Biden. Joe Biden says he hasn't made a decision on it, but he did make a decision. Maybe it wasn't a decision. Who knows? Hey, where's my ice cream? We, we don't know what the man's going to do. But the feel that I got from the from the media, in the response was the end of the five stages. There, there's, there's, there's anger and there's denial and there's bargaining and, 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 and it's acceptance now. He's going to be the guy because there literally is nobody else. There's nobody else. And I think that that Van Jones, a CNN Van Jones, his commentary that you, you keep underestimating him. He keeps beating the odds. And I think that there's something that for the left, they can they can build on that. They can play on that. This isn't somehow thinking me thinking that Joe Biden's invincible. I don't think anything like that at all. Remember, I'm the guy who said Joe Biden is not going to get the nomination. Joe Biden is not going to get elected. I said both things. And me, I didn't quite understand the effect COVID had on everything because it changed things. The idea that someone could run from their basement, the idea that Jim Clyburn, the congressman from South Carolina, would clear the field for Joe Biden, whom Kamala Harris referred to as a segregationist, and then to have Kamala Harris as the vice presidential can candidate. It was nice to see some people writing, I think it was Jim Garrity writing over at National Review this week, that he had options. Biden could have picked Val Demings who, yes, lost the Senate race to Marco Rubio, but Val Demings would be a far better vice president for Joe Biden and for the Democratic Party than Kamala Harris. Susan Rice would have been better. There were options for him, and he made the worst option. I mean, just miserable, as we can all see. But I think that there's acceptance. And then, of course, the stories that all oh, those rude, awful Republicans and the heckling and disgusting and and they're so childlike and 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 the House has lost all its decorum because the House had a lot of decorum 
when Speaker Pelosi was ripping up the State of the Union right there in front of President Trump. Don't tell me about decorum. You can tell me that Republicans should sometimes learn to keep their mouths closed and let a guy do the damage to himself and move on. Don't be the story. Let him and his bad policies, his bad ideas, his bad presentation be the story, whichever part of that is the story. And I spoke to Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District. He's also running for Senate in a field that's been cleared. Victoria Sparks is leaving uh, public life altogether. The former Governor Mitch Daniels is not running for, for senator in, in Indiana, and I spoke to him about it and specifically uh, started with uh, this conversation of uh, what does it say to you? What do you? What do you think when Joe Biden says things like, never mind about the Social Security and Medicare, which we'll get to, that he's lowered the deficit and Trump is the guy responsible for raising all the debt? Well, I checked it out, and under this president, we now have a $32 trillion national debt, and it was, it was uh, high enough under Trump, but under Biden, it's gone up more than at any point in American history. So this president has spent more than any president before him. And Tony, that's why six and ten, six out of ten Americans believe that 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 Joe Biden hasn't accomplished ve- not very much or very little since he took office. And only thirty-seven percent of Democrats want Joe Biden to run for office again. So. Those are the facts, uh, Joe Biden. Check, check those facts out. The fact of the matter is, the president last night, the president last night gave a State of the Union that can, a speech that completely glossed over the real issues affecting the American people: the economy, inflation, high gas prices. You know, you, t- you take uh, you take inflation, which was at 1.4 percent when Joe Biden took office. Today, it's over six percent. You look at uh, energy, gas prices were on average $2.39 a gallon when Joe Biden took office today, on average $3.47, the highest household energy cost in 15 years. I I could go on and on in my list of of numbers that you can check out and find to be true. And, And the fact of the matter is the State of the Union is a lot worse off today than it was the day that Joe Biden first took office. But as just so we're on the same page, making sure we understand each other, we're not saying that Trump didn't spend. Even I argued that Trump spent. He's making the argument that he has been able to cut the deficit and it's Trump who added all of the debt. And the argument from Republicans is, yeah, that's not the case. Yeah, that's just a that's a bold faced lie. It's like a lot of other lies that he told last night. He talked about having a plan that the Republicans are blocking to secure the border. And it's this president who opened the border wide open, which is why we have the fentanyl crisis in America, the, the leading cause of death of Americans, your and yours and my age, Tony, is fentanyl because it's flowing over the border at unprecedented rates because of, of, of the biggest humanitarian crisis in American history. And he lied to the American people and said he had a plan to secure the border. And I, I, I looked around at all of my colleagues, my my even colleagues on the other side of the aisle were looking around. They had no idea what plan he was talking about because he doesn't have a plan. It was his plan that opened it to begin with. So whether it's lying about the deficits and the debt, which is on a trajectory to continue to go sky high with the spending rates of this president or a lot of other subjects, not only did he not tell the truth, he didn't focus on the issues that really matter to the American people. And that's what's so disappointing about it. Talking to Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District, also a candidate for Senate for the Republican nomination in the state of Indiana. It it was clear to me, and I think to a lot of people, that he was trying to make 
the claim of, look, I, I'm the guy who understands blue collar. I'm the guy who's going to deliver a populist message, the forgotten man. Di- the, your district, uh, right, uh, the, the third, and, and you can even uh, say this about uh, Congressman Yonkum's district, you deal with a lot of blue collar people. Tremendous numbers of, of manufacturing going on in those areas. In your view, was there anything that Joe Biden offered in, in an honest assessment that connects with those voters or are those voters looking for something different? Yeah, I think it, you know, at the end of the day, if you think about it, it doesn't matter what comes out of his mouth. He's already lost the trust of the American people. I remember what I said. I mean, not even not, not even 40 percent of Democrats want Joe Biden uh, to run for office again and think that he deserves a second term as president. So I think for the most part, Hoosiers are listening to a speech like that one last night. And if they don't if they didn't doze off in the process, they they well understand that he's full of it. Uh, the stuff that he's talking about, he's had he's had two years, which he's squandered as president to focus on bringing down inflation, controlling gas prices, a sky high uh, violent crime rates all over this country because of the Democrats soft on crime policies, the fentanyl epidemic. That's I don't talk to a single, almost a single family anymore in Indiana as I travel the state who hasn't been affected one way or another by the fentanyl and drug epidemic in this country. So they, they know that whatever comes out of President Biden's mouth doesn't match the reality. They know they know that that it just it, it, those are empty words coming from this president. So I think that at the end of the day, he can say whatever he wants. He can pretend to be a populist. He can try to connect with working people, but 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 he doesn't. He, he hasn't uh, earned. In fact, he's lost the trust of of working class Americans to begin with. One of the conversation pieces uh, that got certainly got the most attention was this conversation regarding uh, Social Security. And regarding Medicare, and when the president said this. So, folks, as we all apparently agree, Social Security and Medicare is off the, off the books now, right? They're not to be fine. All right. We got unanimity. Joe Biden was very excited about this, that Social Security and Medicare won't uh, be touched. Some people have noted, yeah, you have to touch them. These are programs that don't work. Did Republicans just roll over and show the soft side of their belly there, or is there something else at play? Well, he also, I mean, the other part of that that, uh, clip uh, that's worth playing was him accusing Republicans of wanting to sunset Social Security and Medicare, which isn't which is not I mean, that's not rooted in any truth at all, Tony. So he he lied to the American people about the, the the stance of Republicans versus Democrats when, you know, at the end of the day, the reality is that and what what Republicans believe and the, the types of of uh, reforms that we have uh, put forth are to save these programs, save Social Security and Medicare for future generations by w- without touching or impacting Social Security benefits for anyone who relies on them today or who will rely on them in the near future, but but reform these programs so that they will last well into the future for later generations. So 
uh, the president just uh, just a bold-faced lie about about Republicans wanting to. I mean, this is the bo- the boogeyman politics of of Democrats that that the voters have caught on to. That again, Hoosiers are Hoosiers are well aware that the words that come out of this president's mouth don't match the reality. So they they know when he's lying. Uh, Hoosiers can tell. They they see it. They they already know it. But there there were a number of lies wrapped up in that uh, that exchange uh, as well. Were you okay with all the words that came out of Republicans' mouths last night with the shouts of, of liar, when conversation about fentanyl, somebody shouted out, it's it's your fault. Do you think that creates an issue for the Republican Party going forward? Look, I mean, I, it is it is Joe Biden's fault that fentanyl is flowing into this country at, at rates that it that it has has been and is the leading cause of death of Americans my age, um, that we have a crisis in this country when it comes to uh, to, to the, the drug epidemic, the wide open border, um, you know, that that is Joe Biden's fault. I mean, the first day in office, he signed executive orders to stop construction of the wall, return to the catch and release policies of the Obama administration to stop the Trump policies of the remain in Mexico policy that worked uh, to secure the border. So uh, that th- those those are that. I mean, I, I, I well, I wasn't one on the floor who was necessarily shouting or reacting in that way, uh, you know, I, I, I agree that Joe Biden deserves the blame. And I think most Americans agree, too. Talking to Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District as we go over this state of the union. Um, what did you hear that could make you say, you know what, I'm going to take the president up on that. And here's my piece of legislation. What do we got? Is there any place where you personally or Republicans uh, uh, as, as a whole will say, you want to work on this thing right here? Let's go to work on it. Where did the president, as you see it, give a moment of, of rationality to create an opportunity? Well, it was a very brief moment. Uh, I wish you would have talked about it a lot more, but uh, a, a bipartisan a growing bipartisan agreement, especially with Nancy Pelosi out of the Speaker's office, uh, that we have to tackle the China threat. China is the greatest national security threat facing America today. And, and the balloon sort of awakened so many Americans to that reality. And the, the weakness of this administration projected toward the Chinese Communist Party. But the balloon was sort of a, a wake-up call for the American people. And while, he, while President Biden didn't talk about it, he did sort of you know, tip his hat that that uh, we have to do more to confront China last night. And I I, I want to take him up on that. And uh, I'm a part of the new select committee on confronting the Chinese Communist Party. We, we kicked it off this morning. We're going to be working hard over the next two years to develop a whole of government strategy and approach to confront uh, the economic and military threats that China poses to America. The other thing that they talked about last night that I appreciate that echoed uh, uh, the themes of the of the Trump administration and some of the good work of President Trump is is to support uh, made in made in America policies, especially when it comes to critical infrastructure projects. So, uh, while I haven't seen a lot of action on that front by this president, I want to I want to I, I want to encourage him to to follow through on that commitment that he made when it comes to especially steel made in America, also made in Indiana, uh, we're the fifth largest steel producing. State uh, in the or one of the top uh, steel producing states in the country. Northeast Indiana is, the, is one of the top congressional districts that produces steel. So let, let's uh, let's go there. Let's let's find bipartisan ways to work on that. And I'll be happy that we did. And you can find the original full interview with Congressman Jim Banks if you get the podcast.
And you can go to all your favorite podcast platforms and look for Tony Katz today, and boom, there it will be. Keep it here, guys. I'm Tony Katz. So the former vice president, Mike Pence, being dragged into the investigations into Donald Trump and trying to overturn the election results of 2020, he is getting subpoenaed. It's a special counsel, Jack Smith, who wants documents and testimony related to January 6th. We haven't even discussed the fact that uh, Joe Biden's mentions of January 6th are uh, in the State of the Union so incredibly gratuitous and ugly and They're really convinced that January 6th is this day that will go down in infamy, as opposed to, man, that was ugly. Yes, it was a riot. And that's that. They are, it's it's a desperation. It's a desperation that doesn't uh, speak well of them. Tony Katz, guys, good to be with you, Tony Katz, today. Uh, Smith got appointed in November to oversee the investigation, appointed by the Attorney General Merrick Garland, uh, into what happened. And so now Pence has been dragged into this. But there's been negotiations between prosecutors and Pence's legal team uh, that's been going on. And that what is what has now led to the subpoena, which I don't understand why there's a subpoena if they've been negotiating for Pence to engage some level of testifying. Why do you need the subpoena? Is it because the word subpoena gets the media all super happy and excited and they get to write subpoena and Trump and Pence and then they have themselves a cigarette and that's it? I don't, I don't know. I actually don't know why the subpoena was even needed if you were negotiating. But we'll be following that story next week. Find everything, TonyCats.Locals.com. Guys, I'm thrilled that you're here. I can't thank you enough for being a part of the show and listening to the show. I'll catch you on Monday, everyone. Take care.